0: Next, this month's special series focuses on disaster medicine and preparedness. Unforeseen disasters carry unique challenges and learning opportunities. This month, we present conversations that scrutinize our plans and protocols and ask, how prepared are we? How will we react?
1: What if a personal disaster hits your medical practice? Do you have a plan in place? You're listening to ReachMD the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Kevin Smith, a dermatologist in private practice in Niagara Falls, Ontario. Welcome, Kevin. Hi, Michael. We're talking about disasters in the studio this week, and a personal disaster, we don't have to wait for another September 11th. A disaster could be you get hit by a bus, or you have a heart attack. Yeah. And a few years ago, you wrote an article about this subject, Where was it published, and what got you thinking about a disaster plan?
2: That's in the Southern Medical Journal, and uh, it's online so it can be downloaded. The exact reference to the article is in my CV, which is on my website at smithlaser.com.
1: Okay, so we have access to the article. What got you started thinking about this?
2: Well, I sat down one day, and uh, just in terms of planning, I wrote out a little sheet of instructions for my staff about what to do. If I was dead or disabled and, uh, I went, that went through a couple of revisions and I showed it to my lawyer and he thought that was pretty good and my wife and my staff, I left it right up at the front desk for everybody to read in an envelope what to do if Dr. Smith is dead or disabled so it's right there where everybody can see it every day so that it's immediately accessible. Otherwise you do these things and they wind up getting lost. Anyhow, after it had been through a few, uh, iterations, I posted it on the RxDerm newsgroup and people thought that was, uh, something worth pursuing, so I submitted it. I think somebody invited me to submit it to the Southern Medical Journal as an article, which I did, and it was well-received. It's good to think about these things, and, and if you have a good disaster plan in place, you can preserve the value of the assets and preserve the value of your practice. The things that happen in the first few days after something bad can make a big difference in terms of whether or not the practice can be sold or not, so that's why I did it.
1: What are the first steps, if you're thinking about this and you're saying, gee, I need to have this disaster plan in place, what are the first steps you need to do to create a plan?
2: The simple thing to do so you don't reinvent the wheel would be simply download that article from the Southern Medical Journal. But you're going to have a list of important people to call uh, who should be called immediately as soon as you know that there's a problem. That would include my lawyer, my extended family, my accountant, my banker, people like that. Uh, The staff need to know to stop doing any. Uh, treatments because there are certain delegatable things that they can do uh, whether or not I'm in the office. But if I'm dead or, or not able to supervise them properly, then everything has to come to a halt immediately. You also need the names of some of your colleagues who could be called to help, like who patients can be sent to uh, for acute care or people who might uh, be able to give advice about uh, uh, young residents coming up who might be uh, interested in purchasing a practice or other people looking to move to the area who might purchase the practice and also where to look for the directories, the AAD directory and the Canadian Dermatology Association directory, where to find the list of residents so that uh, somebody can come in and, and take over the practice while it still is an ongoing proposition and capture as much value as possible.
1: So you really thought this through. When you did this, did you take a long, hard look at your office procedures and analyze what needed to be done or just kind of like ask your employees? How did you come up with your list?
2: Part of it, common sense. You know, If you sit down and start thinking and making notes as you go along, brainstorming and uh, talk to your spouse about it, uh, you can very quickly come up with a practical common sense list and then showing it to your employees, they'll make a few suggestions and tweak the thing further. And you can run it by your lawyer and your banker and they may have additional insights about things that should be included. And so that's how I arrived at the final document that wound up being published in the Southern Medical Journal. So the main thing to do is take that and then improve on it and customize it to your own personal circumstances.
1: What about key employees in your office? What do you think about having a plan in place in case one of them is hit by a bus?
2: Well, or even worse, what if the four of them went out and got killed in a traffic accident? Or what if the four of them won $25 million in the lottery? Or what if you discovered that there was some fraud and abuse going on and there was a ring of them and you decided to fire your whole staff? There are lots of different things that can happen and that do happen. So you've got to be ready for that One important thing to do is to keep track of part-timers and keep track of past employees who have parted with you on good terms so that you've got their phone numbers and contact information and you can call up somebody who might have worked for you a year or two ago and ask them if there's any way they could come down and help out even at night or on weekends phoning and doing whatever it takes to get the practice back on its feet. You also want to, uh, if you can, perhaps have your spouse or your your children somewhat cross-trained and familiar so that if you've really got your back to the wall, Uh, somebody can come in. It's also good to have your existing staff create a systems and procedures manual when you're still on good terms with them so that if you lost all of them, suddenly under for whatever reason, uh, you'd have a lot of documentation about this is what we do and this is why we do it and this is how we do it and this is where things are. This is where are the keys to such and such. This is the person we call when we need more toner for the laser printer or all those things you've got all that and you maintain it routinely once a year, you're in better shape.
1: We have one of those in our office. We call it the Red Book because it's in a red notebook. And it's got all the computer processes and how to do this and how to do the billing and, and step by step. And we kind of write it in simple language so that anybody, even me, can pick it up and do it.
2: You want to make sure that you have a backup of the Red Book because a hostile employee might just decide to walk out the door with it and then where are you? Right. Let's say you, you decide to fire them all for some reason. God forbid that that would happen, but it does happen. We hear about it. It's
1: a good point. And before I get fired, I have to remind us that if you have just joined us, you're listening to the Clinicians Roundtable on Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Kevin Smith of Niagara Falls, Ontario, about the necessity of having a personal disaster plan for our offices.
2: So Michael, I like your idea of the red book, and I would have a book because if it's a computer file, it's too much hassle to enter it as stuff comes up. But if it's a red book where people can just, anybody can walk up and make a note in it, then you can later transcribe that red book into a computer where you've got a really comprehensive online file of things that can be printed out. And the other thing while I'm on that topic is with regard to all the major equipment in your office, like lasers in particular, it's a good idea to have a logbook for each machine. And any time anything happens, you get an error code or the machine crashes, have somebody write a note immediately when that happens. When the service guy comes, keep a copy of all the service paperwork right in the book with the machine. It makes it a lot easier for them to take good care of it. And if you're selling the machine, if you've got a really good logbook on it, it might be a little bit more saleable.
1: Right. We have multiple copies of the red book, And what that entails is actually what we've done is write down simple step-by-step directions. For instance, how to send charges to the billing company. And then it goes step by step. And then we've actually taken printouts from the computer screen to show what the screen will look like and what to take the next step and the next step. So it'll keep us going if, if somebody, you know, I said to my billing manager, you need to protect us in case you get hit by a bus someday, that we can keep going until you get back until we find somebody else.
2: That's excellent. I think if everybody did that, we'd be a lot better off.
1: Can you share some specifics from your template? I know that I talked to you about this in the past, and you, saw, you said some really interesting things like about stopping the newspapers and calling the professional societies and, and even cutting down on your malpractice insurance.
2: Well, that's right. If There are many uh, subscriptions and memberships and whatnot that collectively cost thousands and thousands of dollars a year. And if you can cancel and get some refunds or have uh, services uh, suspended, if I'm in a wheelchair and it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to work for six months, you may be able to save thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. Certain licensing agencies need to be informed if you're uh, disabled. There are certain statutory requirements in some jurisdictions that the licensing agency needs to be informed of that. For example, insurances. Insurance can be very expensive, and certain kinds of insurance need to continue to be paid. For example, fire insurance and so forth. So those arrangements need to be made. In other cases, if I'm not practicing, then malpractice insurance can be canceled and we can save the money.
1: Do you have a plan overlap? Should there be or should there be a plan in place for a larger, more civil disaster? I mean, we're living in the times post 9-11. And should your plan kind of extend a little bit now?
2: I think it should to consider things like uh, pandemics, hurricanes, radiological disasters or uh, terrorism of that sort. Um, one important consideration is can you run your office software on your home computer or on your laptop? Because let's say the building blew up, gas explosion or anything. Um You might have a backup, but do you have the the equipment that you need uh, to run the thing successfully? Uh, Do you have the ability to transfer the phone lines immediately to a different source? And one thing I find very useful, and anybody who carries a PDA like a Palm Pilot or some of these other handheld uh, devices can load an enormous amount of information in there. And we know we've got everything in the PDA, our staff, phone numbers, cell phone numbers, email addresses, all the suppliers, who the telephone provider is, and who the telephone contractor is, so that if I'm in a gym, if I'm in Australia and something bad happens here in Niagara Falls, I can get on the phone and get on the Internet and have those phone lines diverted immediately to answering services run by the phone company, for example. I have all the codes available to me so that if I need to go into my phone system, I can change the message, I can listen to incoming and outgoing messages, and I can do all these things remotely. Uh, I can divert the fax number immediately to an electronic system that will email all the faxes to me. That kind of thing allows you to save the day because if a patient has a bad problem, I want to hear about it. I'd rather take care of it myself than have them go to the emergency room and have some poor guy in the emergency room try and sort them out. Or if a referring doctor wants to get a hold of me, if I'm able to keep my systems and procedures up and running as best uh, I can, I'm more likely to have a viable practice once we reconstitute things a week or a month or six months later.
1: These are things we need to think about. We back up our system every day, and we take an off-site backup tape home with us every day. But I never started to think about, well, yeah, running the software from my home. I'd have to have a computer for that or changing phone lines. These are all very important things that I think you need to sweep through your office and think of everything.
2: Uh, speaking about sweeping through your office, one thing we've done, we'll take our uh, camcorder or nowadays even just a digital camera that does video, and walk through the office shooting video and speaking while we shoot. So we're describing what we're looking at. We open up every drawer and every closet, and we take pictures of everything, and we describe what's in there. Uh, this will help us in several ways. If the office is destroyed, it'll help us with insurance, because we've got replacement value insurance, but you have to be able to document what you had. And secondly, if we have to replace all that stuff, we'll have a comprehensive list. We could sit down and look at a
0: 20-minute long video, which
2: covers every single little thing in the office, and we can reconstitute the office from that. And you just burn that onto a DVD and stick it in your safety deposit box and do it again every six months or a year or whatever makes sense to you. And it could make a big difference, and it could be worth a difference of $150,000 in the insurance settlement.
1: Sure, and the last thing is what we do with all of our patient records, we have them all scanned. We used to do them on microfilm. We have them all scanned. They are on disks, and we have copies of disks in a couple of off-site places so we could reproduce all of our records if we had to from the past 30 years.
2: We do the same. We, we got a double-sided scanner from Fujitsu that costs less than 1000 bucks, complete with software, and when, when the office is quiet, one of the staff can just feed charts in, and it scans both sides of every page, converts it into a PDF, and then once you've scanned a few hundred charts, you can burn them onto a DVD and take it home, and then you're set.
1: Okay, so Kevin, give us the reference to that journal article, because it's, it's, it's priceless.
2: Okay, it's called, What to Do If I Am Dead or Disabled. It's in the Southern Medical Journal, 2000, colon, 1134, hyphen, 1135, and that's online at the Southern Medical Journal website, and I believe it can be downloaded as a PDF at no charge.
1: Kevin, thank you for being my guest today and sharing the very important concept of a personal disaster plan for our offices. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. The hosts, producers, and staff at XM are here for you, the physicians who care for your patients. We value your questions and welcome suggestions for future shows. Tell us what you want and what you need. Send your email to xm at reachmd.com, and we truly thank you for listening.
0: You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Disaster Medicine and Preparedness. For a program guide and complete list of shows, please visit us at reachmd.com and download ReachMD's new iPhone application, Medical Radio. Listen to the same live stream of ReachMD medical news and information you enjoy on XM160. Plus, CME and thousands of searchable podcasts. Download the medical radio app today. You're listening to ReachMD.com on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Join us this weekend for Weekend CME. Functional bowel disorders, such as chronic constipation and irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, are prevalent conditions and can negatively impact patient quality of life. Dr. Michael Greenberg will host Dr. David Pura and Dr. Suzanne Rose. To listen to this segment or download a podcast, Please visit ReachMD.com slash WeekendCME. Now you can take ReachMD Radio wherever you and your iPhone go. ReachMD's new iPhone app, Medical Radio, lets you listen to the same live stream of ReachMD medical news and information you now enjoy on XM160. On the iPhone, you can also search and listen to thousands of ReachMD podcasts, customize your own programming by specialty or Search for CME and take the test. Download the medical radio app today.
2: Hello, I'm Dr. William Hirsch, professor and chair of the Department of Medical Informatics and Clinical Epidemiology at Oregon Health and Science University. And you've been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals.